It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question. You can email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. You know, Mark 1044 says the one who is greatest among you is the one with the heart of a servant. Jesus said to his disciples, he who is greatest among you will be the servant of all. Hi, Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. You are listening to the American Family Radio Network, and this program is called Exploring the Word. And Bert, I've got a a story from a friend about being a servant that I think will be inspiring a little bit. But first of all, we want to say welcome to everybody. And this is an edition where we're going to take questions for the whole hour. Uh, We are not live because we're on the road traveling. Bert and I are each uh, out speaking and ministering. So we're doing a pre-record, but we are going to do actual questions from listeners. And uh, if you ever want to submit a question, it might become content for a future show. You can email us, word at AFR.net, W-O-R-D, word at AFR.net. And Bert, we love to get those questions, don't we? We do. And honestly, uh, we also get prayer requests and we try to pray for you and ask God just to direct your paths. But we're praying our our answers will be more than information. That You know, uh, sometimes information is good, uh, but as ministers of the Word of God, Alex and I desire that our answers would help, motivate, strengthen, and even propel you in your walk with the Lord. And Alex, you was talking about a servant. Guess what? In In God's kingdom... The servant is the highest position. Yeah, isn't that something? It is. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. You know, speaking about doing doing your duty and serving the Lord, and you know, the Bible says, "Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, and not unto men." Uh, I was just talking to a dear friend of mine, Chuck Wallington, great Christian man, goes to First Baptist Spartanburg down there in South Carolina, and years ago they started a call-in prayer ministry, and they had volunteers. And so uh, he had done like a six-hour shift on the telephones, helping uh, answer phones and pray with people uh, because they do a a regional television broadcast down there. And uh, anyway, he had locked the door, and he was leaving, and he was the last person out of the building. And as he's walking away, he heard the phone ring. And he thought, oh, you know, should I go in there and unlock the door? And he said, well, it might be somebody who really needs prayer. So he rushed, 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 opened the door, ran back in, and just maybe on the last ring, grabbed the phone and answered and said, uh, hello, you've reached the prayer ministry. And he said, uh, it was the greatest thrill of my Christian life. And I said, what was it? He said, a very, very familiar voice said, I've been listening, and I just want to request prayer. I'm preaching in Portland, Oregon. We have a big crusade out there, and I just wanted to see if somebody would pray with me and my team as we go to Portland. And it was Dr. Billy Graham. (laughs) Wow. And Chuck was telling me the story, you know, how the Lord blesses us with unforgettable things. And he said, well, let me tell you the most unforgettable thing in my Christian life. I said, what? He said, the night I prayed on the phone with Billy Graham. Yeah. And he tells the story. He said, but you know what? I had left and I ran back in uh, to get back in there, unlock the door, answer the phone, because that was my commitment. And let me just say this. God blesses commitment. 
doesn't he, Bert? He does. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up hearing this. Not everybody can sing. Not everybody can teach. Uh, even a lot of people have difficulty praying uh, in front of people publicly. But he mm-hmm. said there's one thing every one of us could do, and it's, it's, it's connected to commitment, and that's be faithful. And uh, we c- there's no reason why you cannot be faithful. Uh, there's no qualifications with your vocal ability, uh, no qualifications as far as your physical ability. You're faithful with what God has given you. And so that's what we want to be. And that commitment, uh, listen, that commitment comes really out of surrender, Alex. You know, uh, if you commit Amen. something... Uh, it you, you kind of, you know, I learned this from Joseph's son. Let me start from there. And he was preaching uh, Bobby Moore. He was translating for Bobby Moore uh, in, in Romania before the Iron Curtain fell. And Dr. Bobby Moore, a great pastor, one of my mentors, uh, he uh, was talking about commitment. And when he got to that word, Joseph's son could not translate that. And after it was over, he said, we don't use that commitment word for commitment here. We talk about surrender because when you commit, you retain ownership. Really, in surrender, you give up ownership, and it is your, you become the steward of what God has let you use. And so those words, I know they're play on words, Alex, but the whole idea is being faithful with what God's given you. Amen. Amen. Well, we can all be faithful. And, you know, the thing that is a a truth, uh, everybody, and I think uh, Bert would concur, and I know I can tell you in my own life, if you're faithful where you are, God will entrust you with something else. He will. And if you're faithful with that, God will entrust you with something else. And, you, you know, salvation is free, and salvation is the same for everybody. You put your faith in Jesus, and you're born again. We're all saved the same way. But in terms of growth and sanctification, it really is different for for different people. And let me say, in being a Christian, you can fly as high as as you want to. God desires to bless you, and God desires to use you, but God wants to see that we're faithful. Amen. Alex, what you just said, I, I know you were supposed to ask the first question, but what you did is brought up the very first question that was given to me. You were talking about being faithful over this, so you'll be faithful over something larger. Here's the question. What are some steps to knowing God's will for my life? And and the, what you just said is so true. Be faithful with what God has given you in obedience and in attitude, you know, uh, you obey with the right spirit, you know, that's, yeah. that's so important. Okay. I'm going to obey, but I don't want to, well, I'm glad you're obeying, but man, get your spirit right. But the f- steps of knowing God's will is being faithful with where God has placed you. Is it possibility? He might that one step might lead to another step of knowing God's will and purpose for your life? Well, exactly. And, you know, let me say this, uh, and what I'm going to say probably sounds kind of subjective, and you're going to have to cultivate this in your own life. But I would say, my dear friends, diligently, diligently uh, seek after knowing the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Mm. 
you know. And and I mean, one of the things, look, whenever you feel under conviction to maybe you need to apologize for something you said, or maybe God is leading you to just go send a smile or love on somebody or, you know, show some Christian uh, sympathy or maybe maybe you need something you need need to make right. Um make sure there's nothing in your heart or your mind that would obstruct the clear communication of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you something. Um, So much of my life has hinged on things that at the moment look like very little things. I'm going to give you a case in point. And the bottom line about knowing the will of God is Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things be added to you. But listen to this. As you know, a big part of my life was going to work with James Dobson. And working with Dobson, a lot of learning media, radio, broadcasting. Then I was asked to write books. And then we did events all over the West Coast. And I, I'm ultimately, through working for Focus on the Family, I met Tim Wildman and Jim Stanley. And one day I find myself on the American Family Radio Network. But I want to tell you something, how my working with James Dobson came about. And the Southern Baptist Convention, 20-some years ago, was in Phoenix, Arizona. You might, I was there. You, you remember that? Yes, yes. Janny and I flew out from right here. Yeah, it was a great convention. Phoenix, Arizona. Well, um, I was out there doing a workshop because I was doing some work for the North American Mission Board, which um, is a ministry uh, out of the Baptist Church. And if, if you're listening and you're not part of a Baptist church, um, North American Mission Board is a, a organization based in the Atlanta area. And for about four or five years, I did a lot of traveling for them and speaking on biblical worldview. Well, they send me to Phoenix, Arizona, to this big convention and... I was teaching some workshops on biblical worldview and apologetics. Well, I was back at the hotel, and I saw a man sitting by himself, and I just felt led. I'm supposed to go talk to him. I figured he was part of the convention, you know. I figured he was probably a minister or something. But he he was by himself, and I was by myself, and I just felt like God was saying, go talk to him. Total stranger, absolute stranger. Well, his name, I later learned, was Jerry Drace. (laughs) <laughs> and we got to be friends, and we were just talking, and he said, so you're an evangelist. What kind of, What is an apologetics evangelist? And, you know, I, I was young in the ministry, and he was telling me about things he did, and it was really interesting. And I said, well, it sure is great to meet you, and we're trying to reach young people, and God bless you, and we prayed for each other. Well, that was that. A couple of years later, my phone rings, totally out of the blue, And it was that man I'd met in Arizona. And he said, hey, Alex, I I hope you don't mind. I just gave your name to James Dobson, and his uh, vice president is H.B. London, and they are looking for a teen apologetics and worldview guy. And uh, I gave your name, and if you get a call from Colorado, you better take it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The next 20 years of my life and countless blessings of God— that ultimately would bring me to this very microphone right here today. Honestly, that chance meeting at a hotel that I just, the Holy Spirit said, go talk to that gentleman. Yeah. And, and so my point being, folks, very often knowing the will of God 
is hearing the voice of God and just daily being a disciple and walking the journey and being careful to respond when the good Lord gives you a little assignment. Alex, awesome, awesome. I would say in doing that, knowing the will of God, knowing the voice of God, you better be in the Word of God. Uh, Every decision concerning my calling as a pastor, a preacher, uh, each church, the minister here, I remember waking up about about 10 years ago wondering, God, what do you have for me now? I got up, started reading the Word, and as clear as I can make it, God says, yes, I have this for you, and it was to come to AFR. I was going to be working with pastors. I was going to do some things with the family, not knowing that exploring the Word was waiting here to join this microphone with you. God knew Marvin Sanders was there, but he also knew his time would be uh, limited. So after about three months of being here, being on Exploring the Word about two or three times just as a guest, you know, to, re, you know, take uh, your place when you were traveling and mm-hmm. not knowing that it would result in this. And it was the Word of God waking me early in the morning, not me not going back to sleep, getting up, opening His Word, asking Him for direction. Listen, knowing His voice, the Bible makes it plain. My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. You find the voice of God through prayer, experience, and the Word of God. Hey, we're going to be back with more here on Exploring the Word, the questions that you've uh, asked of us. Stay tuned as we take a break and come back. Now, back to the Bible study. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the story. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. This is Far Away Friday. The questions are coming from word at AFR.net or frequently asked questions at AFR or some that Alex has received, some that I've received individually. So we take time out to try to answer these questions. And um, I, I do want to say this. I did this Sunday in a in a sermon uh, not long ago, Alex, and we was talking about the Q&A that you and I do and answer questions. And I was telling them about the book that was coming out, 100 Questions uh, and Answers. And I said, oh, yeah. and I said, to, and I asked them, they said, no, what volume two was going to be? And all I'm <laughs> puzzled, and I said, 100 questions with no answers. <laughs> and and I, I said that in humor, but as the more I think about it, have you learned to live with some questions, brother, that we oh, yeah. are just not privileged to know or can't understand or know? Have you learned to live with those or well, still cause you know, issues? You know, I I don't mind the questions that I don't know the answer to because I know the Lord knows the answer. And, and I'm going to tell you something. You know, I, I guess I've been blessed with faith. Um, I was on Pat Robertson's program. It's been a few years ago. And um, the guy that preps you for the interview, we were back in the back filming the interview before the interview, I suppose you might call it. And he said, you know, have you ever doubted the Bible? And I said, never. 
And he said, really? You know, you, you don't ever lay awake and think, well, gee, wonder what if this is not true? I said, never. You know, I've been so blessed. I have never, never, never doubted. I just, I know if the good Lord could make this world and the universe and the solar system, I guess God could write and inspire and preserve his word. And everything I've ever studied validates that. I, Bert, I believe the Bible is the Word of God, and in the pages of Scripture we find Jesus, the Son of God. And I, I believe the technical word scholars use it is called inerrancy. That means inerrant means without error. And I do believe the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. Uh, now, there are things I don't, I don't, I don't really understand the Trinity. Uh, I don't really understand the eternality of God. I mean, because everything we know about as human beings is chronological. You know, uh, th- there was a time that there wasn't a person, but a baby's conceived, a baby is born, and now there's a new human being. There's past, present, future. Everything we know about is very sequential, and yet Almighty God just has always existed. God is. Is. is I don't understand that, yeah. but you know what, Bert? Um, the questions don't bother me because I'm a I'm a finite, limited human, yeah. and God is infinite and eternal. And there's just some things that the good Lord is going to know that I'm just not going to know. Alex, well said. And I I don't know about you, but not knowing some of those has driven me closer to Him. Uh, to know that I have a God that's bigger than my brain capacity, which I mm-hmm. praise God for. And we have a God that is greater than. So when someone says, where does God come from? Uh, I, You know, we, we okay, let's, let's think how we can answer that. How can God be three in one? Let's see how we can answer that. How, how can uh, God's foreknowledge work with, uh, with my capacity to choose and his, you know, his sovereignty. Listen, trust him. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's why Darwin, uh, creation Darwinism got caught on, Alex, because what you just said, the God that made the earth and made the universe and made man, what other difficulty would we have? Well, if mm-hmm. they can keep that from it, then they can doubt everything else. And that's why creation is so important. And uh, so mm-hmm. listen, trust him uh, and, and li- learn to live with those questions and trust him. He, listen, uh, I, I just I just know that it brings blessing. And uh, again, I've I've not been disappointed in that faith that I've placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, see, and and I I can't emphasize this enough, we may not know every answer, but we know the character of the Lord. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's like uh, Angie, my wife, she's a wife, she's a Christian, she's a nurse, she's a daughter, she's a, a number of things, and in my opinion, she is wonderful at each and every one of them. And you know, people will say, uh, what's Angie doing today? Well, she might be delivering a baby. She might be doing a defibrillator on some, all these things she's done in the course of being a nurse. Um, she and a doctor once, uh, resuscitated a man in a parking lot who had dropped dead of a heart attack and they got the defibrillator and, you know, she's done those things, but they'll say, wow, you know, boy, I bet you're, you know, 
concerned. What if she's, you know, out there in the back of an ambulance doing something in harm's way? See, here's the thing. I don't always know what she's doing, but I know her and I know she's excellent. And I know that between her skill and her training and the good Lord, she'll always do the right thing. My point in sharing that is, look, I don't always understand like the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. I don't always understand, you know, these deep questions, but I know God doeth all things well. Amen. And and while we may not know the answer to a question, uh, I was counseling with a family this week, and they had a bereavement several uh, years ago. And why? Why did this family member die? Why did that happen? I said, I don't know. And you may not know till you get to heaven, but focus not on the unanswered question. Focus on the loving character of the God you do know. And and I'll say this, I'll throw it back to you. In Aristotle was the Greek thinker, 200 BC, and uh, he always said, work from what you do know and do understand. And I think about in terms of the Christian life, um, we know the character of God. God is loving. God is merciful. God is infinitely wise. I mean, by definition, God cannot make a mistake, and by His nature, God will not hurt you. He will only do that which is for your benefit. So if you can't see the answer, trust the character of the Savior. Good good answer. One more thing I'd say, and then we'll ask a specific question. That's like Bible interpretation. You start with that which is plain. I mean, it is no issue about it, nothing. Then go to the difficult passages, which they are, and bring the answers that you know concerning God, concerning His Word, and like you just said, the character of God. Bring those to those difficult passages that that are hard to navigate, hard to completely understand, even harder to explain. And, mm-hmm. and Alex, that's that's your, we were talking about knowing the will of God. That's also in knowing the will of God. You start with that which is plain. You live for him. You obey him. First, you start out with a relationship with him. There's no need of you praying, oh God, what's your will for my life? And you've never surrendered your life to him in the first place for salvation. You start mm-hmm. there and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm willing. Guide me. Obey. Start in those. Have you ever heard bloom where you planted? Amen. And, and Amen. you do that. And, and that's really also Bible interpretation, knowing the will of God, and understanding God. You start that, and, and I think you come out in the—I know you're headed in the right direction, but I believe the journey will be filled with great, great adventure when you do that, Alex. And praise the Lord for the journey that God's brought me through, and I know you do as well. Well, amen. Amen. Well, um, Sunday night, it was my privilege, Bert, to do a Zoom call. I was on my laptop Zoom call with a youth group, and there were some high school uh, rising seniors, some graduating seniors, a couple of college kids, but we were on Zoom with um, 
First Baptist Church of Asheboro, North Carolina, uh, Mark Hall, m- magnificent friend in the ministry. And it was a joy to go over a lot of questions live. And one of the questions was knowing God's will for my life. But um, there was a young person who had been reading on some websites about Bible contradictions. And we spent a fair mi- amount of time talking about that because I think young people, um, you know, they need to know that they can trust the Word of God. And so we talked about uh, challenging passages. Yes, absolutely. There are passages that are very tough to understand. You know, it, in the Old Testament, Ezekiel going to heaven and measuring the temple. I, I don't <laughs> completely understand what that's all about. But um, a verified contradiction. Now, I was telling them that a word that's worth throwing in here, I mean, if we're going to strive for precision, is the word necessary. Is this or that passage a necessary contradiction? Um, because um, if, if it said, okay, Jesus rose from the dead, and another verse said Jesus didn't rise from the dead, okay, those are incompatible. Uh, that, that of necessity, we would have a problem on our hands, and thankfully it doesn't say that. But there are some challenging passages, one of which uh, we talked a little bit about David and Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17, very famously, uh, David goes out there with five smooth stones and kills the Philistine giant. And they, the Philistines had held Israel at bay for 40 days. And so David killed Goliath. And that's one, maybe one of the most famous stories of the Old Testament. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, 50, David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword. He killed Goliath. Now, one um, question comes up. Uh, 2 Samuel seems to indicate that um, Elhanan, and I have to smile because when I was in Israel, my my tour guide was named Elhanan, but um, Elhanan was the son of a person, a Bethlehemite, and Elhanan killed the brother of Goliath. But 2 Samuel 21, 19 indicates, although not absolutely, did Elhanan kill Goliath or did David? So I want to talk about this for a second. But this is a good example of a passage that on first read might seem a little bit challenging. It, it isn't a contradiction, but... Had you ever heard of that one before, Bert? Yes, I had. Matter of fact, that was one of the questions I had. We got these questions. You are listening uh, separate, and that was on a Zoom. Mine was personal. Somebody was asking that question. They best, they probably are visiting the same website, you know, mm-hmm. with these Might contradictions. Be. Might be. And the other one was, why five stones? Did he think he would have a chance if he missed with the first four, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, I think some of this, if you read the rest of that, let me answer some of that. Uh, okay. Verse okay. 22, therefore were born to the giant Gath. Now, in other words, there were four others. Were they the sons or the brothers of Goliath? We don't know. But uh, David was ready if anybody else, if Goliath and the Philistines didn't keep the word about if, if Goliath goes down, you win. If David goes down, we win. And David was ready in case they didn't keep the word and somebody after Goliath got through, 
Another mm-hmm. one stepped up. One of his brothers or sons or whichever way it was stepped up. He was ready. That's why five smooth stones. But anyway. Well, amen. Because, yeah, you know, let me just say this. When uh, Goliath was felled and he, I, I've got to believe David, you know, he was young and strong and had spent his youth guarding sheep and he fought off a lot of predators. And when he did that slingshot and he buried a stone in the head of Goliath, Goliath went down, and of course, the the giant was beheaded. And I, I've got to believe those other Philistines scattered. But had had it escalated, uh, David was ready. He was ready. Amen. But, One more but, thing, and I want to say this. I'll turn it back over to you. Notice the Bible describes Goliath physically. The Bible spends more time describing David and his character. Isn't that something? So Amen. which one wins? Character always wins in the end. It may not be immediate, but character with governed by the Spirit of God, our trust in God wins. But anyway, Amen. Well, tell Amen. us about this. Which who who killed Goliath, Alex? David killed Goliath. <laughs> Amen. First uh, Samuel and Elhanan killed Goliath's brother. Yes, and so uh, no no problem there. Um, you're listening, folks, to Exploring the Word, and this is Burton and Alex. This is a pre-recorded, can't take live calls today because we're traveling, but uh, you can always send questions in, word at AFR.net. And let me just say this. Also, you can forward a link if you're enjoying this program and all the other Exploring the Words are archived and all the great programming that you hear on AFR. So go to the website and, and download these webcast, podcast, forward them on, and let's circulate this content to people that will be blessed by hearing it. We are. And let me say this one more thing about David and Goliath. I I love that story. Boys always do. If you got sons or grandsons, now I'm not saying uh, the girls don't enjoy it too, but boys really, I had three, Alex, they really dug in to David oh, defeating yeah. Goliath. I mean, it was a battle. It was real. It was someone bigger and and someone that trusted the Lord. So many things can be taught from that. So those of you who are listening who have sons and grandsons, uh, spend some time with David and Goliath and looking at what he came. And he came, and notice he says, The Lord has delivered a lion into my hand, a bear into my hand. The Lord will deliver this giant into my hand. Uh, David's confidence was in the Lord. Yes, he had a sling. He had the stones. Yes, he had used them. Yes, they were valuable weapons. But I want to tell you, uh, that's great. But his trust was in the Lord uh, as much as his ability, Alex. And, and that's we want to turn our abilities over to God and let him use it to defeat the giants in our lives, don't we? We do. Folks, stay tuned. Exploring the Word is going to come back after this brief break with more questions and answers from God's Word. Stay tuned. We're back after this brief break. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bird here. We just want to say how much we appreciate all of you all listening. We really, really do. We're, we're answering questions today. And, Bert, one of the questions when I was on the Zoom call with the teenagers uh, Sunday night uh, relates to the problem of evil. I mean, you might call it the problem of pain and suffering, but basically this, why is there evil in the world? Because we know God is good, and we know God is perfect, and certainly a world of terminal illnesses and violence and terrorism and cancer. Bert, it seems like the lot of the human race sometimes is more tears than joy. Why? That's what people want to know. Yeah, when you think about that, Jesus said, in this world, you are going to have your difficulties, heartache, evil. Why is evil in the world? I let me just share share this, Alex. I, I am. I don't need to sound like a a person that that is so simple minded, but I, I do try to keep it simple. I go to what is the answer as simply as I can understand it. You know, I do believe in the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. but I also sure. believe in the accountability of man. And how can they both be possible? Well, it's possible because God is able to do what his ultimate will is, even when man is choosing the wrong way. And God's desire was to be loved. Now, Mm -hmm. he is sufficient in himself. You got that? I mean, we know that. There's nothing lacking, but there is a desire in him to be loved. That I mean, it's plain in the Bible. God and, and he's is worthy of love. It. He is worthy of love. We love God because what? He first loved us. He loved us, and in turn, we can love him. With the capacity to love or not to love comes, I, I, I'm just going to say it, comes the possibility of evil. Now, mm-hmm. yeah. that, that it really does. It sets up the possibility. Did God create evil? No, he did not. Did he, by his choice of creating human, humanity in the way he did, set up the possibility of evil? I would have to say the answer is yes on that. Would you, or do you have a, a little bit different take? No, no, I think it's right. I mean, you know, clearly God is sovereign, and God not only created the universe, He sustains the universe. And as much as we have to, uh, I think, strain to see this, history itself is very brief. And the moment where evil and sin and uh, bad things seem to, to hold sway, It's only for a moment. God is in control. He made everything good. And, you know, Bert, there's uh, the the key that opens every lock people talk about. Well, in terms of understanding the suffering of the human condition, you have to take into consideration the fall. See, God created and over and over said, it is good, it is good. What happened, though, humans do have free will. And while Adam and Eve were in the garden— and it was a perfect environment, and they had every imaginable blessing, they chose to disobey God and introduced into the equation sin. 
the fall, disobedience. And so if you ever look around this world and you, you see the suffering, you say, you know, things ought not be that way. Well, praise God, the Lord also said things ought not be that way. And that's why God sent his son to be the Savior. And he is not only did Jesus pay for our sin on the cross and you can be forgiven uh, through Jesus, but he's in the process of restoring all things. And one day, as it says in Revelation, behold, I make all things new. But but let me just say this, Bert. When people, uh, whether it's a believer that's with anguish trying to search and understand, or whether it's a skeptic trying to play chess against God, well, there's pain and suffering, there's evil, therefore the biblical God must not exist or something. If, if there is evil in this world, and I'm in this world, and we got to remember, I am part of the problem. Um, while I can lament the sin of the world, I've got to be honest and remember that I too have sinned. And so if the world has a problem and that problem is sin, then I'm a contributor to that problem. And that's why we needed a Savior. Alex, let me ask you one more thing connected with this. And you did a great job of going back to the creation and even before that with Satan in heaven and him wanting to be like God. The Mm -hmm. bottom line was pride. I want to be God. Really, if it translates, he wants to be like God. He wanted to be God. and But with the possibility of love, what else? I mean, if the possibility, can you love without choosing? I, I don't, oh, you, you can't. You can't. And so, I mean, I, I know this is simple thinking, but if if love is real, there had to be a choosing to that love. And, and that is true with a spouse, with your children, children loving their parents. Uh, but it's also true with God. And when you choose to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, uh, you're choosing that which is right. But the person who chooses not to, they can choose not to, but guess what? They can't choose their consequences the consequences of not being thankful, according to Romans chapter 1, they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. When that starts taking place, Alex, evil is on a downward spiral, getting bigger and deeper and harder and harsher until you, you come to the end of it. And that is what they chose not to be thankful. They chose to go their way. And when that takes place, evil comes in. So I'm saying this personally to those who are listening today. Do not choose to walk away from God. Jesus has done everything that is necessary for you to come into relationship with God. He was born, lived that perfect life, went to the cross as, quote, the perfect sacrifice, and God accepted it. He rose again to overcome sin and death. And when we surrender our lives to him, place our faith in him, and walk with him, listen, we have given us life, eternal life. And Alex... When that has happened, if we choose to not receive that, according to Romans 1, 
it is hideous and horrible what happens to an individual, what happens to an, a world or a nation. Uh, Romans 1 can be interpreted individually, but it also can be understood in a society. And uh, that's kind of what's happening in our society today on this downward spiral, isn't it? Well, it really is. And, and you know what? Um, I, I want to say in the strongest possible terms, um, when we're talking about free will and the love of God, but the accountability of man and the possibility to know the Lord. Let me just say this, Bert. I, I think we, we often underestimate what it means, this incredible, incredible uh, state of being a, a human, a human being. Yeah. Um, we talk about ordinary people, but in reality, there are no ordinary people. Genesis one twenty seven says that God made man and woman in his image. Now, talking about things we don't understand, the imago Deo, the image of God, I don't fully understand that, but I, I, I know this much. Uh, we were not accidentally evolving. We are not a highly sophisticated primate. A human being is an absolutely unique class of creation. Amen. Uh, and, and that's why, friend, that's why murder is so unspeakably wrong. Because, you know, the image bearers, we, we are made in the image of God. We have... Uh, will we have a moral nature we can know right from wrong and let me say this friend uh, life is not a game I've heard people say you know something about the game of life and I've heard other people say life is just some meaningless joke no here's this wonderful thing that the eternal almighty God is he made you so you could have a relationship with him. And Bert is right. Relationship must involve choice. There cannot be love without choice. God didn't make robots. God didn't make puppets. God made human beings. And I want to say to everybody listening, uh, your life is so significant. Your life is valuable. Um, not in the world's terms. You might not be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. You might not be famous or rich. And that wouldn't really matter anyway, because all that's in this world is passing away, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. But here is the significance of life, and this is why every human being matters. Life is a sacred gift, and God says, I'm going to create you. I'm going to let you be born. I will do everything conducive to give you a chance to come and know me personally. The only thing God is not going to do, he will not override your free will. God will offer salvation. He won't force it. And if you're bound and determined to keep God out of your life, he's not going to kick the door in. But Bert, uh, life is so significant because the human being through Jesus and through God's love and the empty tomb and the, the Bible that's in the hotel nightstand and the church you pass on the corner as you drive by, and maybe you're hearing this radio program, in 10,000 ways, God gently tries to say, I'm here, acknowledge me. Human life is sacred because we have an opportunity to personally know the Creator. And we could talk a long time about that, but 
I, I fear in this age, I was reading a thing, Bert, about how the Internet and social media has really kind of almost fostered this national ADD. And one writer said, quote, the digital age in many ways stands in direct opposition to the ministry of discipleship. Mm. I can see that. I, I see what happened when Jesus discipled the 12 Notice what he did. He got them away from their everyday life. He really, uh, my professor at Blue Mountain College, Dr. Travis, said it was a three-year campout trip. Amen. And, and a lot of, tri- you know, Jesus said foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Many of the nights, not all of them, but many of the nights, I'm sure, was out uh, under the stars, Alex. It, it seems like every evidence. Oh, I believe it. And uh, so Jesus got them away from their, quote, routine. Notice also every, we get a lot of questions about, quote, the Jewish calendar. Is it wrong for us to observe that? It's nothing wrong with you looking at it uh, as long as it's Jesus in it. Now, if you're looking for those to the the you know, carrying out those things uh, without Christ, listen, it's a detriment to you because Christ has come to fulfill that law. But when you see all the special days on the Jewish calendar and you see how each one of them takes you away from, quote, whatever the routine is, we live in a digitally routine age when you're mm-hmm. on your cell phone when you're at the computer you're at your laptop uh you're, you're tweeting you know you're do- tiktoking i guess is another way. you're doing all <laughs> those things come out jesus said come out from among them and, and i i believe there is this time of setting aside jesus said we need to come apart uh, i think it's c.s lewis i know adrian rogers is the one i first heard say it if as a disciple or a follower of Christ, if you don't come apart from the world, you'll come apart. In other words, mm-hmm. your life will fall apart. Uh, I did want to say this about choosing. We may choose which way to go, but the consequences you do not choose. God that's has true. set those oh, consequences. It really is. And that's so real for you to listen today that are listening. And you've never received Christ as your Savior. You say, well, now's not the time. Uh, studying in the book of Acts that you and I have been going through, and uh, we, when this is played, we won't be through with it, but we will have studied Felix, who had a more convenient time, and who was yeah. it, Agrippa? I said, I'll hear more of this, you know. Yeah. You, better, you better do it today. Uh, exactly, Alex. Today's the day of salvation. What does what do you say about procrastination? Is going to be probably the most uh, the most common well, sin in hell is procrastination. People putting yeah, it off. You know, people have asked us on the radio sometimes, "Will this or that keep me out of heaven?" And uh, listen, anything Jesus can forgive if you will ask, if you'll turn to Christ and say, "Lord, save my soul." But I said, you know. I'll tell you what will put you in hell, procrastination. And and no doubt there are people that thought, you know, I, I'm going to get around to it. This this thing of my soul, salvation, I, I'm one of these days I'm going to deal with that. One of these days. And friend, here's the thing. And, and again, all of the details of life, only God knows. Who's going to make this decision? Who's going to make that decision? God, here's the thing. God, to the utmost degree is manifesting His mercy and grace without compromising 
his providence and his sovereignty. God is showing you mercy, but yet God does not abdicate his role as the righteous God. And so, friend, if you're realizing you need the Lord and you feel like you just need to humble yourself before God, don't delay because God's doing everything he can to get you to respond to his immeasurable love. And if you need more than what Alex and I have just said and more explanation, you can go to this number, 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. There's people there. There are partners in ministry. They will help you. They will help answer some of those questions for your need of Christ. Alex, man, it's been a great day to be with you, brother. Amen. Folks, thanks for listening. Again, you can go to the website, AFR.net, American Family Radio, AFR.net. Share this program. Tell somebody about the great programming and exploring the Word. But most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.